Welcome and happy Sabbath. Let me make sure I switch my audio so that um, we get the best possible. Considering all the tools that we have and trying to mitigate all these things. Uh, I hope you had a great week uh, at home. Uh, our family had um, a wonderful break uh, during the sunny days, especially yesterday. We took the girls out finally and it was a much needed blessing. I trust you and your family had the same experience. Uh, God has been good. And uh, this morning, we're going to be joining each other, connected via these uh, technology, to have a united worship experience as much as it is possible. Thank you for joining. And um, I hope you were paying attention to some of these announcements. Uh, we're having a Sabbath school panel for the adults at 6 p.m. Uh, via our Facebook uh, um, pages. Um, I'll be giving you more details in regards to... A, the It Is Written evangelistic efforts that we're going to start April 17th. I'm so excited about it. And some of the things that we're going to try to do to create interest even prior to the meetings taking place. So one call now will probably be the best way to communicate to everybody. And I will make sure that I'll be intentional doing that this week. Um, there's an opportunity for you to serve in that. So I hope that uh, you will be willing already to say, Lord, uh, what you need me for, here are my hands. Here's my time and my resources. And uh, I'm excited that this written is able to do this across North America. And I will have way more details. There's a website that I placed there that you can look at. And also, if you go to the Michigan website, there will be more details posted there as well in Facebook. Um, all of these things are being made possible because even though we have been fragmented and separated, we've all have been able to continue providing resources for the church to continue ministering. And though we are not together, though we're not in a physical building, um, the reality is, is that those physical buildings still need upkeep and maintenance. And so thank you for being faithful in finding ways to um, replenish these funds that are being utilized to repair and um, bring up to date, give a beautiful facelift to our community center. Uh, we should be posting maybe some pictures soon on our Facebook page to, so that you guys can see that. And of course, just maintaining it both Lake City and Cadillac. Um, so thank you. Thank you for uh, finding ways to replenish the resources that are continually being used up and that we need 
for the evangelistic uh, efforts that we're trying to do uh, just now this month and throughout the rest of this year. I want us to sing this morning. Last time we were not able to sing as much, and so uh, I want to invite us to join a, some hymns that were requested that I didn't get to post last time. And so if you want to post now what your favorite hymns are and the reason why. If you only post a hymn, I probably won't pick it. I want to know why you love this hymn. If you can post it on the chat below, um, I'll be picking those. And the, the people in charge of hymns will also be able to use that resource so that we can not just be the ones picking the songs, but that we can actually have you participate. Even though we are separated, we still want to be able to praise songs that touch your heart and stir you. So we're going to be singing some of those hymns. And uh, let me do a little bit of a switch up here. was requested by Gunther and Ella.
man, and we need to have that assurance that in the midst of all of this, His kingdom will endure. And that's why we need to just choose to have Jesus. Requested by Pastor Chris Ames. As I was preparing last night for these songs, they were stirring my heart. And uh, to be honest, um, with everything that has been happening around our country, that hymn has become a living reality of what I would much rather have. I would much rather have Jesus. Uh, this morning, our message is going to focus on Christ and our need of Him, our great need of the Lord. So I want to invite you to bow your heads with me as we begin. And um, in your hearts, as we are approaching the Lord, we typically do this together as a church. Sometimes we come forward, um, though we are apart. I want to just invite you that as I pray, whatever may be in your heart, whatever may be worrying you, we just got a message from a lake city about a family uh, that will be traveling from, uh, Rome, from Venice to Rome, Rome to New York, New York to Kentucky, a 60-hour trip. Um, that will be initiated today, and they have a five-year-old and a three-year-old, three-year-old little boys. So I want to pray for those families, for the missionaries that are in countries where there, there's definitely not going to be any masks anytime soon, or ventilators, or electricity, or clean water, 
and these missionaries have left the comforts of their homes to go to these places. So we want to remember these individuals in prayer, um, in ourselves, our own brothers and sisters who are now uh, stranded without financial resources, uh, not really sure where to turn. I, part of, I, I received uh, notifications from ministry here in Detroit um, from a shelter that they're running out of supplies because they, they have been just inundated with individuals that they've been let go of their jobs. So we need the Lord Jesus because as we've just sung, His kingdom will reign forever. He is a mighty fortress and we can take refuge in Him. Precious Lord, um, we come to you as a church. Right now, Father, I'm inviting my brothers and sisters to speak to you as well from their hearts. You can listen to the entire planet at the same time praying to you. Your heart is that big and your ear is that attentive. Father, we need your hand to move. We need, Lord, you to show yourself. Show yourself, Father, through us and show yourself through your providence. That we can see, Father, how you are working for the good in spite of all the evil and bad that is happening. Lord, we pray for the missionaries, for those that are serving in other parts of the world, so that people can know of this kingdom that will last forever, of this Jesus that is better than houses or lands. Precious Father, I pray for their families. I pray for this family traveling from Europe and the many others, those that are stuck in cruise ships, sick, uh, surrounded by individuals that are sick, surrounded by individuals that have died because of il this illness. Father, we pray for ourselves. We ask for you, our families, our church families and friends that are hurting, those individuals that are recognizing, Father, that what they have been building has just crumbled in a few weeks. Give wisdom to our politicians and world leaders. Father, I pray that their consciences would be pricked that they would recognize, Lord, that no one is exempt from this. Individuals, high-ranking officials have also passed away. And Lord, um, no one has been left untouched by this. So Father, I ask that as a world, as a nation, our hearts would return to you. And especially, Lord, as a church. I ask that the message this morning would stir all of our hearts to open wide our doors to the influence of your Spirit. Do forgive our sins and iniquities. And Father, I ask that um, you be glorified and exalted through the message this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We will be, thank you, my wife just told me that some of you are placing requests for hymns. And uh, we want to actually use those. I'd much rather have you tell us what hymns you would like to sing hymns that bring you encouragement and hope, and we will be picking from those as we continue worshiping in this way. And uh, please remember these individuals we just prayed for, that uh, the Lord would be um, a gracious and merciful in providing for them as well. This morning, we're going to continue with this series um, entitled The Walk of Faith, and uh, I want us to uh, pause for a second and... Um, I heard in the Sabbath school this morning that um, Andy asked the kids, you know, how's it been being at home? And one of the girls said, we've had more family time, which is good. Um, 
And some of the things that we like to do as a family is play games. My mother-in-law likes to play Uno and other games that are typical of Puerto Rico. Uh, Dominoes is huge as well down there. But I'm confident that all of us have played Monopoly at one time or another. And this morning's message is entitled The Walk of Faith, Monopoly of the Heart. Now, I know that I would not want to play this game with my brother Andy Schaefer because he would take everything that I own. He's a great businessman. Uh, there are other individuals that I'm sure Mike Trapeza would also be great at uh, maneuvering and uh, calculating and being strategic. These gifted individuals that are able to uh, handle business. Well, there are many others, I'm sure. Um, but I remember first playing this game and automatically I wanted to get these two places here, um, boardwalk, boardwalk and Park Place, because those are the ones with the highest rent, right? When people land there, ah, you know, 400 bucks, please, $300. Um, but other individuals were more strategic and they would actually <clears throat> just purchase things as they came along, try to, you know, build slowly. And without realizing it, before they, end they ended up with this place, they had already pretty much everywhere you landed, you were paying rent to them. And eventually, they would have so much money that they had no problem landing there because you have to have enough money to buy that place. And because they had been collecting gradually, by the time they got here, they had a monopoly. Have you ever played with someone that actually took over the entire board? This morning, I want to talk about a monopoly of the heart. Our heart also has places and things about it, compartments, uh, areas in our hearts that, you know, are related to family and jobs and uh, priorities, ourselves, faith, God, expectations, all those things. And there's a verse in the Bible that speaks about a monopoly of the heart. Deuteronomy 6, 5. You shall love the Lord your God with, and there it is, all your heart. God doesn't say the majority of it, 99% of it, 50-50. Uh, God says, I want a monopoly of your heart. And now this command, of course, is quite simple, straightforward. But as I thought about this commandment, I thought, why would God need to do this commandment? And I'm going to share a little illustration that I hope will help you see what, what struck me. As I read this commandment, thinking, why in the world does God have to give this, this particular command? So, I'm going to appeal to a historical event that happened. And I'm going to give you some clues. I want your brain engaged. I don't want you to just zone out. I want you to think. Um, the, can your brain recall Chesley 1549? Chesley 1549. Can, can you, does that provoke memories? Um, if you're like me, probably not. Yet, you and I know this, but we have forgotten. And by the way, I'm going to give you a hint. If in, Some of you may have pulled out your phones and are cheating. Hey, Google, Chesley1549 or hey, Siri. But that's okay. The point is, Chesley1549, this is not a, a date, by the way. This is not a date. I'm going to give you another hint. Um, this is, well, I can't tell you because then you'll know what it is. And this is a name. Chesley is a name. Have you, does, have you recalled? I, I would be extremely impressed if you knew right off the bat who that was because I didn't. Chesley Sullenberger. That's the name. He was the captain of the U.S. Airways flight number 1549, which he successfully landed in the Hudson River. Ah, now you remember, right? You remember that image. It's 
been engraved. I told you, you knew this, except that we forget. And the sermon will center on the reasons why you and I forgot. Chesley 15:49. All of the 155 passengers and crew aboard the aircraft survived. What an amazing feat. I used to read that in those little cards uh, in the Sabbath school this morning. It was asked, how many of you guys have traveled overseas by plane? And I think all of us have perused through that. And it shows, you know, the plane will land the water. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. We will fall apart in the water. This is just a psychological thing to give us peace of mind as we're plummeting to our death. But apparently it works. I'm so happy for that event because now I'm like, I better pay attention, right? So now we know what this is. And you can see the people there, right? You can see the individuals. Uh, and you, you, can you put yourself in their, in their shoes? Can you th- try to imagine what they're thinking, what they're feeling as the plane is hitting those birds, so that flock of birds that uh, put out, knocked out the engines of the plane? And as they're seeing their plane shake and losing altitude quickly, and the, the, the captain is maneuvering between buildings, trying to locate the river, and then he goes straight into that canal where there are no buildings and the river and trying to tell people, get the boats out of the way, get the boats out of the way. And the, the whole flight crew is telling you, tuck your legs, just like we showed you, and, and get your life jackets, and you're like repenting. I was on my phone while you were giving those instructions. How was that again? Where, where is that life jacket? And we're like, I should have paid attention to the message. I should have paid attention. And then you're tucking and you hear the... And then boom, all the G-forces. The plane is just slowing down rapidly and you're being thrust forward but your seatbelt's holding you in place. And then the plane stops. Nothing has blown up. There's no fire. And then as the whole crew and the entire cabin is just exploding in an uproar of rejoicing and jubilation and just excitement and just, I can't believe it, we are alive. Out of the the cockpit comes out Captain Chesney Sullenberger. How would you respond as you see the captain, the man who called the shots, the man who through experience and skill maneuvered that plane, when he came out of that, that cockpit of the front and he told everybody, we are safe, crew, get ready for an emergency evacuation. Can you hear the people applauding and shouting and saying, you saved our lives. You saved our lives. And now there's a plethora of news crews at the harbor waiting for the boats to bring the people in and hoping to get an interview you know, for their news channel. And then imagine this. This didn't happen, by the way. This is my imagination at this point. Um, can you imagine a big screen being brought to everybody, the 155 passengers and the crew, 154, and Captain Sullenberger standing aside. And there's a big speaker, and, and you're told, wait, wait, there's a message for each of you, 154 passengers and crew members from the President of the United States. Ooh. What is this message? Here's the message. As you exit the plane alive, you shall show gratitude and lifelong appreciation to Captain Sullenberger. You shall say thank you to him again and again for arriving safely on land. You will express this tremendous lifelong gratitude for Captain Sullenberger 
to your family, to your friends, and all who ask you about your experience in U.S. Airways Flight 1549, I, your president, command you to do this. The question is, would this be a necessary command for you? Would you need to be told to express gratitude and appreciation and maybe even love to the man that has kept your daughter from becoming an orphan or your wife a widow or your husband a widower, depriving your children of grandparents, depriving grandparents of grandchildren? This one man has kept your family intact. Would you need to be told to express gratitude and appreciation? My guess is that no. So here's Israel. Israel's rescue and safe landing by God. This is where God picks up Israel in Exodus chapter 1. They are being exploited brutally and just used as objects by Egypt to expand its grandeur and its kingdom. And these individuals have no hope, no future, and no way of escape. There's just nothing for them. And then God steps in into their history, and God does the unimaginable. He brings them with a mighty arm, ten plagues, parting of the sea, conquering unconquerable peoples, giant individuals, strong in battle. And God uses hail and thunder and all these things and, and earthquakes to defeat, utterly destroy these individuals. And then he says, here's land. Now you have a hopeful future in total freedom. You no longer need to be a slave. Your children, your boys, will not get cast into the Nile River at Pharaoh's command. You never have to fear that again, that you will lose your firstborn son or any of your children, that your daughters, will, all they have to look forward to is getting whipped and being beaten and dying at an early age and starving and not being human. Here, you can be not just a human. Here, you can be my children. So is this a necessary command? Would God have to command after doing all of this for Israel? Why would God know that he would have to tell Israel that they needed to love the God that has just given all of this? God did more for Israel than Captain Sullenberger did for those 155 individuals because they still went back to having to pay their mortgages and you know, illnesses or age or aches or whatever, bad marriages, whatever. He didn't solve people's marriages. He just kept them alive. That's all Captain Sullenberger did. But what God did was miraculous, transformational. Yet God knows he needs to command Israel to do what you and I would think would come naturally. But God knows how sin has affected the human heart, and He knows what He needs to tell us, what He needs to confront us with. them to the land he promised to give them and he has fulfilled that promise they are now free to live in peace and safety 
So why the need to command to love God with all? No president would ever have needed to tell any of those passengers from Flight 1549 U.S. Airways, appreciate, show gratitude, even hug and say, you know, I feel like I love you, Captain Sullenberger. You've saved my life. None of, no command was needed. Um, but God needed to do this for Israel. Like I said, I think that there's in the scriptures at least three major reasons as to why God knew he needed to tell Israel, you need to love me. You need to love me not just with a little part of your heart, but with all of it, with all your heart. The reason is because we struggle to love God, and God knows that. And the reason is, number one, we do not know. The reason number two is we minimize. And the third one is we forget. Let us explore this. We do not know sin. This is why it's hard. That's, this is why we struggle loving God. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. That's why God says, I need to tell you, you need to love me. I've just done something so amazing for you, something no one, no one on earth has ever witnessed. And yet, you will experience that you do not know, you will minimize, and you will forget. We don't know what sin is. In the same way that, you know, there was 400 years that they spent in Egypt. After the second or third generation, that generation is born into slavery. That second, third, fourth, and ongoing generations, these children are born, and this is normal. Normal. And so how can you explain to someone that is thoroughly convinced, well, this is normal, this is normal, that this is actually not normal, that this is actually not good, and that there's something better. It's difficult to try to convey that to individuals that have come to not be able to see what is evil and try to exp expl explain to them and, and lead them to even consider that there's something better than what the present really has. And that's the, the, the reality that sin has done with sinful hearts, with a sinful nature, that's all we know. But we don't know that. Just like fish don't know they're in water, we don't know. Humans don't know. Why do we act this? Why were there people 